Hello, everyone, and welcome to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Tara Stingley, partner with Klein Williams in Omaha, Nebraska. On the program, we span the globe with updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we're excited to add to our new series on labor law to discuss the current labor reform in Colombia. Joining us on the program is Vicente Umana, a partner with Pase Herrera Ruiz. Vicente, welcome back to the program and thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? Very good, Tata. Thank you very much for having me. We're so excited to have you back on the program. And let's start with this, given your expertise as a legal practitioner in Colombia. Can you give us a brief snapshot of what the labor field has looked like in Colombia in recent years? Sure. In Colombia, we have a similar framework regarding labor matters than in the rest of the region throughout Latin America. We have very protective oriented laws for the employees. Usually court rulings are oriented again to protect the employees' rights. That is common throughout the region and Colombia has not been an exception to that. We have not had any deep changes in the law probably in the past 20 or 25 years, but now we will have some in Colombia. We are anticipating some important relevant changes in the labor framework in Colombia. And it's my understanding that Colombia has a new government as of August 2022, and that there have been some initiatives before your local Congress regarding labor law in particular. Can you tell us about those new labor initiatives? Yes. We are having some changes in the labor legislation in Colombia because we have, as you just stated, a new president. This new president came into office back in August. He's a leftist president, and it's the first time in Colombia that we have a leftist president. So that makes us believe that deep changes from a labor standpoint, and not only labor, but mainly from the legislation and and economics in the country will change. That means that the Congress will shortly discuss a proposed bill filed by the president and the government party in which several rights of the employees are reinforced. Unions' rights and unions' promotion is also reinforced in Colombia. And it will be kind of a challenge for companies to adapt to this new environment if the bill is passed in Congress. When the new president got into office, he had the Congress on his side, but currently the forces have changed and he has certain opposition in Congress. So we don't still know for sure if the bill will be approved or not, but we have definitely that possibility in sight. Have there been any impact on labor issues in Colombia from foreign investments? Yes, we have been a very attractive country for foreign investment. We have a lot of international and multinational companies in Colombia. But since the new president started his period back in August, I have perceived or I have felt some kind of uncertainty about future plans of multinational companies in Colombia. However, this president and the the presidential period in Colombia is only four years. So we will have a new president by 2026. We have no re-election. So mainly our job has been focused on guiding the companies on how to navigate these new waters, if you wish, 
and how to understand what is coming and how to anticipate and prepare for the changes, not sacrificing the foreign investment in Colombia. But we definitely, by last quarter, we have felt some decrease in the foreign investment due to that uncertainty. But let's see what happens in the in the future. And our, our job is, again, to guide the companies through this new environment. And what have you really seen as a driving force for those changes? You mean for the labor changes that are coming or for the foreign investment change? Well, I think both. And let's talk maybe about the foreign investments first. Yes. To the foreign investment, you know that companies to put the money in a foreign country, they need to have mainly rule of law and to have certainty of what's going to happen in in the following years. How is the regulatory framework in terms of hiring and terminating employees? Because workforces must be flexible. And unfortunately, this proposed bill is against flexibility in terms of handling workforce. So that's probably one of the drivers and one of the of the fears of foreign companies to invest in Colombia. And the labor side and the labor proposals, the pressure from the unions have been extraordinary before the government. And actually the president and his immediate circle has been very close to unions. So if you see the bill, it is part of it, mainly drafted by union leaders. So that means that in Colombia, unions will be reinforced, which is not usual. We have a pretty low rate of unionized employees. But in this case, they are seeking for a larger number of employees unionized and for even more political and negotiating power for the unions. Unions in Latin America, just for you to know, are different than in the rest of the world, different than in the US and in Europe. And here they are more sort of political movements than really organizations seeking for better conditions for employees. So it's kind of different in the rest of the world. And again, it's the common characteristic of the unions throughout the region. You raise a great point there that labor law can be very unique and specialized depending on the jurisdiction that we're operating in. And it can look very different from country to country. And you know, you talked about this pressure from unions right now. And given that you have a president in power who would not be up for a re-election, how much momentum is there in the very near future to get something accomplished, to get some laws on the books, to advance some of these union interests? That is a very good question. And we have the example of Chile. Chile also had a new person since early last year, I guess. And he started with a lot of proposed bills in Congress and nothing passed. Because again, as in Colombia, the forces in Congress changed. So I think that within the three or four largest and more relevant bills in Congress now, probably labor is the one that we will pass together with a health bill, which is currently being discussed as we speak. Actually, today, we, the Congress is in session discussing that bill. So probably the labor bill will be approved, not necessarily as strong as as rigid as proposed, because also we have the corporations and another type of organizations who, which are trying to provide their input in the proposed draft. So so let's see what happens. But I think that definitely Colombia will change in terms of labor relations. 
which is not bad. I mean, updating the labor legislation is all, always useful and, and it should be good. But considering that the labor relationship has two parties, employers and employees, not only employees. So let's, let's see what happens. So switching gears a bit, some obviously labor legislation is a hot issue in Colombia right now. There's also been an increase in digital nomads around the world, particularly since 2020, given the COVID-19 pandemic. Is Colombia an attractive place for digital nomads? And how do you see that issue changing in the future? You know, it's it's very attractive. We have a lot of bad press, unfortunately, but it is still a very attractive destination for digital nomads, especially medium-sized cities throughout Colombia. And two years ago, after the pandemic, the legislation changed and a new law was introduced allowing a special type of visa for nomads, which we didn't have in the past. Colombia is, compared to the U.S. and to Europe, a cheap country to live. And the medium-sized cities are very comfortable. You have high quality in terms of housing, living, entertainment. So we have a lot of, especially U.S. citizens, living in those cities, currently hired by U.S. companies with a valid visa, earning a salary in U.S. dollars, living in Colombian pesos. So for, for a young individual, probably with no family, single, that's the ideal scenario, to live in a nice place, good money, U.S. dollars, spending in pesos. So we have a lot of digital nomads in Colombia. And in my practice, I have seen in the past year, year and a half, definitely an increase of requests for those type of visas. It doesn't sound like a bad gig if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> You're always welcome to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, and companies are certainly looking for ways to reduce expenses and increase profit. Has Colombia seen an increase in shared centers? in the employment context? Yes, shared service centers and also call centers and customer service centers in Colombia. In the past, Argentina was very attractive. Then the market switched a little bit to Costa Rica. And now Colombia is attractive also because of the immigration, easy immigration to Colombia in terms of visas for that kind of work. And also the salaries in Colombia or, for example, customer service uh, agents, the locations, the real estate, the offices, the premises are cheap compared to Brazil or even compared to India or other jurisdictions. Also in Colombia, there has been a constant effort, not specifically in this government, but probably in the two or three past governments, to provide or to prepare people for them to be bilingual. And that helps because you have a lot of call centers here and shared services centers, which are intended to provide services to English-speaking countries from Colombia, from an office, from a, a specific location, or even from home. That's one of the lessons from the pandemic. We now work from home. And for this type of services, that's a very, very cost-effective scheme. And what do you see as the labor consequences with respect to shared services? 
you don't have restrictions. You can have people working from here to third countries or to companies outside Colombia as long as they are employed by a local company if they are Colombians. And we always recommend to have a local employer. It is not prohibited to have the employees hired from above, but let's say it's not recommended and from a practical standpoint is difficult. So it's better to have a local entity. It's unique purpose would be to have the people hired and just invoice the services for the countries that they are working with. But that's still very flexible in Colombia. Now, as you and I are labor and employment lawyers, we often think in terms of compliance and best practices. And what would you say employers in Colombia can expect in terms of compliance, given the changing landscape on labor legislation? It is important to, to conduct constant audit processes within the company to assure that you're complying not only with the, with the law, but with the local instructions from the local authorities, such as the Ministry of Labor, or the we have here in Colombia, which is, I guess, unique. We have the tax administration in one side, but we have a sort of a specific tax authority for payroll-related taxes, which is a different entity. So you must have constant audits, assure that you're complying, and we will definitely see an increase in the surveillance control and visits actually from labor inspectors to the companies to assure compliance. That's an instruction from the government to have the employers comply with the law. And the Ministry of Labor recently has been focusing on different views of the labor relation. Not only if you're paying your taxes, not only if you're paying your salaries, but topics such as harassment, working conditions, health and safety, equal opportunity employment, which was not common in Colombia, but we do have a law actually for that, which is not a strictly follow, but the Ministry of Labor is trying to assure that companies comply with those type of laws, which were not usual in Colombia, were not as understood as a usual practice, but now they are. So we will definitely have more control from the authorities, at least for, for the following three years, which again is good. Not everything is so negative or bad. You have to comply with the law. Colombia, the U.S., Europe, whatever you operate. Can you elaborate for our listeners in terms of what the traditional compliance and audit may look like from the Ministry of Labor? How involved does that department get in the day-to-day -day affairs of employers? Not as much in the day-to-day, -day, but if, for example, you have a dispute with an employee, he can go to court, but he can also go before the Ministry of Labor, and the Ministry of Labor will probably react not only with that particular dispute of that particular case, but the Ministry may order a more deep audit in terms of payments, fringe benefits, health conditions or, or health and safety issues. Again, harassment, equal opportunity, diversity, and respect of the individual in the workplace. That would be a typical visit from the Ministry of Labor. From those visits, you usually get an investigation. They open an investigation. They request a lot of documents. And if you are in compliance, there's nothing to worry about. You should be able to 
proof before the authorities that you're complying with it and the investigation would be closed. If not, you will may be subject to a fine or even they may close or shut down the premises of the company for a couple of weeks. That's very rare. That usually doesn't happen, but they do impose fines if you are not in compliance. And also, for example, if you are not paying the social security contributions on time, you will have a fine plus late payment fees. So it is expensive not to comply with the law, especially nowadays with this increased control from the ministry. Given this increase in the level of surveillance that the Ministry of Labor is employing now, are you seeing a change in the perspective of employers in Colombia in terms of more interest in best practices and compliance? Definitely, yes. Definitely, yes. And our clients has been asking us for audits to review if they have the internal working regulations updated, if they have the remote work policies in place if they have the harassment prevention mechanisms in place and the appropriate committees, because they are in a certain way expecting the ministry to knock on their doors. So they are, they are sort of cleaning the house to be ready for the visit of the Ministry of Labor. But definitely, yes, employers are concerned about compliance or regarding any possible visits of the ministry due to this increased surveillance. Well, I hope that employers in Colombia continue to reach out, especially to you. They won't find a better practitioner in all Colombia. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Well, Zente, this has been a really fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about the law of the land in Colombia on labor law for our listeners. And we look forward to having you back on the program soon. Tara, thank you. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure being here. And hopefully I'll be shortly again here discussing the new labor law in Colombia once it is issued. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to connect with Vicente, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Tara Stingley. Thanks so much for listening.